1: Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce.
0: He's going the distance.
2: He's going for Korzanowski and for Patrick here on a very beautiful Wednesday in the Twin Cities. 45 degrees out there after yesterday, 47. And I am reminded that that stupid two snowstorms we got last, what, Thursday night and then Saturday night that dumped about 10 inches combined snow. Yep. We didn't have that. That hadn't happened; it'd be like fifty-five degrees, yeah. and the snow would all be gone. Okay, so for those of you that are basking, like my wife, loves those snowstorms.
0: Can't stand. No, them.
2: I don't, because then it takes me like an hour to dig out of the driveway, to just get my car out, and then after that, with an old, I get this old snowblower. Man, it, it. it I'm always worried that it's it's it's, it's going to be done, you know, and it just keeps going. There's stuff I don't like to spend money on. Snowblower, yeah. you got to have a snowblower. And and I don't want to spend any money on a snowboard. And I got one that works, and I'm going to keep that going. I forever. wish I had
0: one. I could have used one on uh, yeah Friday. You
2: know, <laughs> but mine works pretty good, except for you know it has the you, you know you can put it in like different gears to go faster, mm-hmm. more powerful, and then it and then you lift the handle and it's supposed to stop going, and mine sticks and it oh, kind of really? keeps going, so you're kind of fighting with. So that's that's <laughs> not a good thing. I've done it a couple times, like backing it into my driveway and it's sticking in a, into my garage, and I'm trying to fend it off. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> I need to get that fixed. Uh, uh, but anyway, welcome. We're going to be joined uh, in about fifteen, maybe about ten minutes, by Matthew Collar. We're going to talk Vikings, which I'm going to open with here, and Jess Myers will join us at five thirty to talk hockey. A lot to talk about in hockey, especially your Minnesota Wild, who right now, and I mentioned this on my show Sunday, uh, Manny. You know the Vikings. You know they were they were a true right championship contender. We they obviously had the chance to win a championship this year, and we all kind of thought that that you know. Then it's, and then the Twins, everyone's excited about them. And then the and the Wolves, everyone was excited about them. And of the four main teams in this town, who was the one that was kind of flying under the radar? We figured the ship had sailed. Uh, they might get lucky to make the playoffs, was the Wild. And
0: Especially after the, the way they bowed out last year. The way they bowed out St. last Louis. year and
2: and the way that they really played at the start of this year. Yeah. And the thing that we've learned from comparing the Wolves season to the Wild season is those two seasons are really long. Yes. OK, and, and what you're doing the first half of those seasons is not nearly as important as you think it is. Right. Because we thought all oh, the wild are terrible. If you're playing good by the end of the season, which the wild are right now and and you know, and you get in the playoffs, you, you got a shot. And we meanwhile, we've seen the hopes we had for the Wolves kind of go by the wayside. And we'll talk about that later as well. But I wanted to open the show by talking about the news that it now appears that everyone's been talking about for the last three, four days which is that the Vikings are essentially have their sights set on Kirk Cousins. We've never heard it. the Vikings say that, but we've heard whoever Ian Rappaport is, someone at the Vikings is is feeding Ian Rappaport what their plan is, right? I mean, does anybody hmm. know why he gets this news and the other guys don't in this town? Because he's the guy that came up that they're not going to franchise Case Keenum. Yep. He's the guy that came out that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a free agent. And now it's been widely speculated that the Vikings are all in on Kirk Cousins. And and everyone has an opinion on it, right? And everyone knows I have opinions. I have a, op- But I don't have an opinion on this, and I will tell you why. That unlike my opinion on Andrew Wiggins, which I feel 100% confident in because I've seen Andrew Wiggins play about 200 games, and I've studied him and I've studied other players and I watch a lot of NBA games, that I feel that I, I'm in a position that I can give at least an informed decision. You don't have to agree with it on Andrew Wiggins. And I felt I gave one. Uh, halfway through his third year, that if everyone had listened to him, he wouldn't be sitting there with a max deal right now. Now, but on quarterbacks, how many games, Manny, have you seen Kirk Cousins play? I've seen Kirk Cousins play the game against the Vikings, which he mm-hmm. played great, and his receivers let him down, and that, that was a great shootout between Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum. Case Keenum won that shootout, but I think Case Keenum won that shootout because Case Keenum's receivers were great in that game, and Kirk Cousins' receivers in that game were lousy. They have some guy named Crowder who dropped about three passes. A tight end dropped a couple more, and it was a very close game. But I was very impressed with 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 uh, Kirk Cousins in that game. And looking at the Vikings last year, the only quarterbacks that lit up the Vikings last year is obviously they only played Aaron Rodgers about half of a quarter, and he didn't do anything in that half of a quarter before he got hurt. And you know Drew Brees lit him up the last seventeen minutes of that game, right? And then Nick Foles lit him up for the whole game in the NFC Championship game. Other than that, the only quarterback that really lit them up was Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, you know, they put 30 points on the board. Kirk Cousins threw for 300 and some yards. And the Vikings had trouble handling Kirk Cousins in that game. And I thought, and Kirk Cousins really impressed me in that game. And, and I saw Kirk Cousins play a game against Seattle uh, the week before that when Kirk Cousins had no offensive line because all of his guys were hurt. And Kirk Cousins pulled out a victory in Seattle. Under incredible duress from his off, when the, remember remember the Redskins had half their offensive line hurt, and they got those guys back by the Vikings game, and they were a little bit better. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't watched Kirk Cousins play very much. I've seen Case Keenum play one season. Before that, I'd never seen him play again. I have no idea what Teddy Bridgewater's health is, and we all know that I would no one would put any money into into uh, Bradford because of his knee situation, right? So, am I qualified to say whether they should sign Kirk Cousins or sign Case Keenum? I don't really feel I am. But you know who I think is? I think John D. Filippo is. I think John in the Athletic this week. Chad Chad uh, Chad Graff, who's now working for the Athletic, he's been on our station before. Uh, worked for the Pioneer Press for years. Talks about D. Filippo. D. Filippo, and D. Filippo is kind of known as a quarterback whisperer, right? I mean, obviously Doug Peterson gets a lot of credit for how well for for selecting Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. for how well Carson Wentz played right out of the blocks as a rookie. And even though Carson Wentz kind of struggled, you know, his second half of his rookie season, as did the Eagles, uh, Carson Wentz was on his way and probably would have won the MVP had he not hurt his knee, because you know Tom Brady had a great season and the Patriots had a good season, but I think Wentz would have beaten Tom Brady. He would have. Yeah. Uh, he had he'd had better numbers and it was viewed as more of a surprise what he what he brought to the to the to the equation. And I think now we've seen that the Eagles were pretty good since they ended up winning the Super Bowl even without Carson Wentz. Right. But but Carson Wentz would have won the MVP. And deservedly so. And you. And in Chad Graff's piece, he talks about how the Eagles dispatched DiFilippo. Filippo, however you pronounce it, I think it's DiFilippo. De, Filippo. I've up heard to, both. Though. And they are in. So North Dakota State is in Fargo, right? Yep. Yep. It's North Dakota is in Grand Rap, Grand uh, Forks. Grand Forks. Yep. And and then after spending time and studying Carson Wentz, and look, a lot of NBA people had Wentz high in that draft, right? But. He's the one that made the call. They said that they, he said, we're going to do what we have to do to go get him. He also had a lot to do with Oakland drafting David Carr, okay, who's been very good. Derek but, Carr. Derek Carr. Now, they had a bad year last year, okay. Uh, the, you know, the, the Raiders didn't have a very good year, and it's and he Derek got Carr. got hurt, and... and he got hurt, but, but I yeah. think everyone was pretty impressed with him, and that was not so obvious. He was taken after Teddy, mm-hmm. after he was taken after a lot of guys. He was the guy that brought David Fales into San Jose State. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, in other words, he has got a history of having both sides of the quarterback whisper The the ability to spot them, to spot who you should select, and the ability to coach those that he has. Mm-hmm. And the year that he was the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, they had 4,000 yards offense at passing and like 3,500 yards rushing. I mean, or something like that. I have to look at the numbers. But this is a guy that seems to have the ability to spot quarterbacks, so I, I'm going to trust whatever he does. And and if he has put his if he thinks of his of his options, which are you know the Vikings have got the option of Case Keenum, right? All they have to do is franchise tag him. But if he says, "Look, Kirk Cousins is worth it," let's go for it. I'm going to trust Filippo. He's done it before. He spotted guys. He has spotted quarterbacks, and and I don't think there's probably anything more difficult in all of sports. Maybe drafting pitching in Major League Baseball is difficult, mm-hmm. but but is 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 identifying good quarterbacks. I mean, look at the draft busts. I've got to think the quarterback position is the highest level of draft busts of any other position. It's the, it's the most difficult one to spot. Yeah, and the most important. And so, I you know, for, so if if he's the guy calling the shots here, and he says I want to go after Kirk Cousins, I'm all in. I don't know. That's my view. I trust the guy.
0: I, I trust his judgment, too. I just, the only thing with Kirk Cousins is, you know, is the price tag. Are you going to get into a bidding war with, like, the Jets or the Cart? I don't think the Cardinals have, any, have enough cap space, and I don't think the Broncos do either because the Broncos have popped up there, too, with Kirk Cousins but the jets have a lot of have a lot of cap space and if the jets are going to throw 30 35 million dollars at Kirk Cousins do the vikings want to get into that kind of a bidding war yeah
2: i, I think you know the the rule is this There are certain things that if you're going to if you're going to buy them price can't be a factor furniture uh don't buy cheap furniture don't buy cheap shoes don't buy cheap booze uh don't buy cheap golf balls and don't buy cheap quarterbacks either that's what i would say if you want to if the quarterbacks if you think he's good you, you don't let money get in the way we're gonna take a break have a little traffic and when we come back uh Matthew collar will join us to talk more Vikings all right Matthew collar I, I got a question for you uh Matthew collar 1500 espn.com uh football writer extraordinaire uh all right Matthew here it is three two guys both in the primes of their careers were free agents one I'm gonna give you some numbers on him he was a four-year starter uh, he was two games over 500 in those four years of starting. He had an average approximate value. I don't know if you're aware of that stat. That's that's kind of a it's like a win shares type deal in football. Average of 12, which puts him as an above average starter. He'd been to one Pro Bowl. He played in one playoff game, uh, and in that playoff game, he was 31 out of 42 for 319 yards, two TDs, and an interception. But his team lost. The other one is a three-year starter. Over that time, he's one game over 500. He has an average approximate value of 13. He also had been to one Pro Bowl. He also had played in one uh, playoff game, went 29 for 46 for 329 yards, one TD, zero interceptions, and also lost that playoff game. Uh, do you know who those two guys are?
3: Uh, well, one of them is uh, probably Kirk Cousins. Yes. And maybe the other one. Well, I don't know who the other one is. Drew
2: Drew Brees. Oh, okay. And and the difference between the two, Drew Brees back in two thousand and six. In other words, if you look at what that what they both had done in their first early years, they both, you know, they you know, Drew Brees was a second round pick. Uh, Kirk Cousins was a fourth round pick, I believe. Both guys didn't start right away. They both had started. Drew Brees, like I said, for four years. Kirk Cousins for three is with their full time starters. Uh, they both had similar numbers. They both had similar success. Uh. And Drew Brees had one big drawback, though, that he'd had a serious injury that he incurred in the last game, his last San Diego game when they were out of the playoffs, and because Marty Schottenheimer was in a dispute with the GM AJ Smith, and he wouldn't play Kurt, he wouldn't play Philip Rivers uh, in the last game, even though the uh, Saints were out of the playoffs that year, and and Drew Brees got a serious shoulder injury on a sack by John Lynch, uh, that all of a sudden they went with Philip Rivers, which made sense because Drew Brees was injured. Other than that, uh, it worked out pretty well how Drew Brees turned out. Uh, and by the way, that same year, uh, the Dolphins, both the Dolphins, the Dolphins, the Saints, and uh, the Chargers all gave an offer to Breeze. Uh, but at the last minute, the Dolphins signed Dante Culpepper instead of Drew Breeze. Uh The Saints uh, signed Drew Breeze. And, you know, uh, Super Bowl later and, and you know, 12 years of success later, Drew Breeze is still playing at a Hall of Fame level and will be going into the Hall of Fame. Now, I don't mean to say that that means that Kirk Cousins is going to be Drew Breeze, but, but I was just uh, struck by the... I, by, the, by the similarity of the situations?
3: Yeah, similar, I guess, on the surface, but you look a little deeper and maybe not as much. I mean, in 2006, I just pulled this up. The average quarterback rating for the NFL was 78. Uh, last year, it was 85. I mean, so quarterback play, even within the last decade, has gone yes. way up. So w- the numbers that Breeze put up then are better than the numbers that Cousins put up now. Uh, the other uh, part of that that I would say is just that uh, it it almost reminds me more with Breeze of Teddy Bridgewater, where Breeze uh, was criticized a lot for the arm strength and uh, maybe he uh, wasn't quite the tallest guy or didn't have you know with Bridgewater you get the, he doesn't have the the perfect throwing motion or something like that. But there's a few things that they have in common, and and one of them is just that they are great with uh, anticipation and, and accuracy, and that's something that. Kirk Cousins is not always the the greatest with so when, and and the age too. I mean, uh, Drew Brees was really Teddy Bridgewater's age when all that went down. He was like what twenty six or maybe twenty seven. Yeah, he was
2: right. He was twenty. Kirk, he was twenty seven when he and his first year with the uh, Saints and, and Cousins will be thirty and his first year whoever he plays for this fall.
3: Right. So I mean, the difference there being that uh, Drew Brees had you know had those early years in some of his some of his struggles in the early years as a rookie and a young quarterback where Kirk Cousins has started for three full seasons and, you know, his shortcomings were probably the reason that he didn't start before. I mean, not that he's not a likable quarterback or that he's good. And and I think – I actually think that the pro football focus ratings of his last three seasons are right on for where I would put him if you take the average of them. They ranked him 14th in 2015, 9th in 2016, and 19th this year. And that's a, that seems about right to me. When his supporting cast is, is playing really well and when he has Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, He's a little bit better. He might sneak into the top ten, and when things don't go his way, he's probably a third-tier quarterback, and that's kind of the way I see him, and that's where I would hesitate when it comes to giving him $30 million a year over five years.
2: And that's what it's coming down to, given the fact that, and I know when you and I spoke about this you know, weeks ago, and I asked you to rank the choices, and we both agreed that if Drew Brees was available, which I doubt he will be, uh, that would be the number one choice, and I would still stand there. And then I think you had said that if, if you know, the Vikings know whether Teddy Bridgewater is going to be healthy or not, or if he's on his way to being healthy or not, that you would have ranked Teddy as the next choice, and then after that you would have gone Kirk Cousins. So I'm guessing that your choice is that if Teddy's not healthy, you would still say it might make some sense to go after Kirk Cousins.
3: Yeah, it does. Uh, but, you know, I also wouldn't count out some of the other options entirely. Now, I mean, I think Cousins is the guy that they will chase and that all the reports are probably right that if they don't believe in Bridgewater's knee. And, uh, by the way, I tried to uh, bait Rick Spielman into giving me any indication about that uh, today, and uh, I can report that it didn't work, uh, about what, about where Bridgewater actually stands and how confident they are that he can return to being his old self. And basically he just said, well, we know that. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's, let's just assume that they don't believe that Bridgewater's coming back. So then it comes down to cousins or is someone else going to come available after the draft? Or is there a quarterback that you can draft instead? And those, those are riskier than Kirk cousins, but the difference in how they're going to perform with this supporting cast might not be that much. I mean, just, Here's an example might be uh, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he's coming off a knee injury too, but uh, if you look at Ryan Tannehill's last season in Miami, things were starting to come together for him. He got them into the playoffs, averaged almost eight yards per attempt, and he's got a more favorable contract. Or, you know, I don't think that the Bills are going to move on from Tyrod Taylor, but if they put him out in the trade market because they trade up and draft Josh Rosen or something, I mean, these are quarterbacks that are in the same tier as Cousins and have some of the same criticisms and some of the same strengths that you also wouldn't have to pay $150 million for. So there's, there, there is there is a lot to like about Cousins' game, but there's also this economic question that's lingering, too.
2: But you have said, uh, given the Vikings, you know, you know it, it's like, you know, you save your money, you save your money, you save your money, and someday you die and you left a lot of money behind you. And, you know, <laughs> the Vikings have saved all their money on the cap space, and it seems like if you're ever going to splurge, and use that cap space money, obviously the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and this team seems equipped to win a Super Bowl. And if they have the right quarterback, uh, you know, last year with Case Keenum, they were certainly on the verge of it. They're one game away from getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, and given what's Philadelphia did, you know, that Philadelphia did the same thing to the Patriots that they did to the Vikings, although the game was a little closer, you know, the Vikings just lost to a better team, and you know, and that's the way it is. They're one team away from getting there. Uh, it would seem to me that that if you believe that Kirk Cousins is really the guy that can get you the Super Bowl, you get it done, and the Vikings have the ability to do that, given their given their uh, uh, situation with their salary cap, right?
3: No, they, they do, yeah. I mean, they, they can fit him in, and they can re-sign all the players that they want to re-sign, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, Stephon Diggs, Daniel Hunter, maybe eventually Trey Waynes, too. They can bring those guys back. I guess what, what you might say, what your math question might be, if Teddy Bridgewater is out of this conversation, uh, might be... Would you rather have Kirk Cousins, or would you rather spend a bunch of money this offseason to get Sheldon Richardson and Andrew Norwell, who's a top guard from uh, Carolina, or uh, potentially Nate Solder, who's a left tackle from New England Patriots, and then maybe you'd move things around a little bit. Would you rather get the three or four most talented free agents to stock up your roster and then see what happens with the quarterback situation, how some of the chips fall, or would you rather go all in right off the bat on Kirk Cousins? And, and I think that that's a pretty tough decision because I, as much as I do think Cousins is a good quarterback, I, I can't help but wonder about, you know, what the difference is between him and, and what some other options might be if Bridgewater is out of that conversation. And I, I think that there we've seen a, a number of quarterbacks who are kind of in the middle end up getting propped up and, and being on successful teams. And, and we even saw that from case Keenum this year. And, and you know, if, if I were them, I wouldn't, as much as, you know, I am skeptical of case Keenum. Would I rather have Keenum and all those other players or cousins? I would say I'd rather have Keenum and all those other players.
2: Wow. Interesting. Interesting take. All right, Matthew. Thanks. lot. you're at the combine. I
3: am at the combine. Yes. What have you learned anything today? Uh, Well, talking to Rick Spielman, I didn't learn a lot, except for uh, I would say that uh, they think that this is a pretty deep draft. Maybe they always say that, but also I think the draft analysts have said that, too. So there is a a pretty good chance, I think, that they're picking a guard or a tackle at the end of the first round, and those are the guys that they're going to spend a lot of time on. And also, Rick Spielman left the door open for a draft pick in the first round at the quarterback position. So I I don't think that's going to happen. But, boy, would that be crazy if Lamar Jackson dropped or Baker Mayfield suddenly dropped and all of a sudden uh, the Minnesota Vikings end up shocking us all by picking a quarterback instead.
2: All right, thanks, Matthew, and uh, appreciate your insight. Thank you. All right, thank you, Matthew Collar. We're going to take a break when we come back. Uh, by the way, who's the guy from uh, Wyoming, Josh. Josh? Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. Uh, you know, a lot of people have the Browns taking him number one. Have you looked at his college stats? Abysmal. They're are they're are yeah, almost they're almost a lot
0: of that was circumstantial though. Yeah, he didn't. He, he wasn't surrounded by a lot of talent. He got yeah, injured.
2: Yeah, he's Jake Locker all over. Which which does I, I, oh, I read I read, I read a piece I read a piece on the in the Athletic by uh, Mizell. I'm trying to think what his first name is. He great break and he's broke down every quarterback taken in the first two rounds in the last ten years and any and every quarterback that had stats similar to him failed. That in other words, if you have great college stats. That doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a great pro. If you have bad college stats, that's almost a sure red flag that you are not going to be a good pro. There's almost no exceptions. Uh, he, his numbers were, were were abysmal. He didn't finish first, second, or third team all-conference in his conference, and he's going to be the first pick in the NFL draft. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't be interested. And by the way, it tells you what's – that makes it all the more likely the Browns will pick him, would be my would be my guess. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll have a sports update with Johnny Haidt.
1: Time for a sports update with uh, Johnny Height. Thanks, Corzo. This update is sponsored by Zell. Seeing is a gift that needs protecting with yearly eye exams. Find a doctor near you at thinkaboutyoureyes.com and make an appointment today. Twins split squad action today. Miguel Sano made his spring debut in their 3-1 loss to Tampa. He was 0-2 in the ballgame. He did play in the field. He started at third base. Byron Buxton was 2-2, two for two, supplying the only Twins run with a home run. Aaron Slager started for the Twins his second start of the spring. He went three innings, gave up four hits, one run, and struck out. Two. How many strikeouts for Sano, Johnny? Did you strike out both None. times? Zero. Really? He yeah. Put the ball in play a couple no, times. No, uh, huh? no walks, no strikeouts. So yeah. I'm not sure where he put the ball in play, but he did. <laughs> in the other game, the twins defeated the Astros four to two. Eric Ibar, trying to make the team his utility guy, was two for three. He's now four for five on the exhibition season. A Ray Adrianza was two for four for the Twins. He had two RBIs. The twins will play the Cardinals tomorrow.
2: So I heard Mackie and Judd talking. Eric Ibar is kind of there to uh might make the team because he might be able to get Miguel Sano in line. Is that what I've heard? That they're kind of... Uh,
1: they're pretty tight,
0: I guess. Yeah. Or they, they know each other pretty well. Yeah,
2: that might be worth it. Even if he can, yeah. hardly ever gets a hit. If he, could, if he can get somebody to get Sano uh, to take something seriously.
1: If he can get <laughs> Miguel to <clears throat> get in shape. Yeah. <laughs> Big Ten Tournament today uh, starts in New York City. The Gophers playing Rutgers at 7.
2: Yeah, tonight Do you think New York's excited about that Illinois Iowa <laughs> matchup and Minnesota. Rutgers, you see Ricey's trolley said, oh, the Gophers got screwed because they have to play Rutgers in a home game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure some great. people thought Patrick was serious
1: about that.
0: They always think he's serious, which makes it so much better.
1: Speaking with the Twin Cities media today at the Combine, Vikings GM Rick Spielman said the team has not made any final calls on the three quarterback that were on the roster last year. (laughs) Spielman said, the Combine gives our organization an opportunity to sit down with all three of the quarterback's representatives. I think we're in a very unique situation because of the in-depth knowledge we have on all three. Also, the practical game knowledge we have because all three played for us. There's been no decisions made, he added, unlike what's been reported. Thanks, Rick. One other Viking note, this one from my buddy Ben Gessling over at the Star Tribune. Uh, Viking guard Joe Berger, who had said at the end of last season he was leaning toward retiring at the age of 35, looks like he may be having a change of heart. League source says Berger, who played all but two of the Vikings' 1,115 snaps last season, is planning to play in 2018 and will explore free agency after the conclusion of his deal with the Vikings. A return to Minnesota could be a possibility, but he's also expected to have interest uh, with the Giants, where, of course, former Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer is now the head coach Uh, Carolina the team that originally drafted him hired former Vikings offensive coach Norv Turner as its new coordinator and Berger's former offensive line coach Jeff Davidson has the same job in Detroit the Bears, who were also expected to have some interest in him, would provide another opportunity for him to play near his home in Grand Rapids, Michigan. How does somebody like that last so long Isn't that
0: amazing? in the league? And and the fact that he was the oldest guy on the offensive line and he played all but two snaps. Yeah. And you get that's hit on
1: every single
0: yeah. snap. Man.
2: Everyone. That, that's when you go back to Jim Marshall, who played defensive line and played like 250 games in a row. It's, How do it's, they a, do it's, it? A, it's, a, it's amazing. and But I'll tell you, two old guys the Vikings really should try to get back are Berger and Terrence Newman. I mean, they really should. I don't know if they'll be able to,
1: but, uh, you know, they can't afford to lose another offensive lineman given uh, their status there. Uh, Speaking of the Giants and Shermer, the Giants think Eli Manning has multiple years left as a starting quarterback, and they're open to trading down from the number 2 overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, Coach Shermer said today at the scouting combine he thought Manning, quote, has years left as a starting quarterback in this league. NFL has a new official pizza sponsor. That didn't get anything out of either one of you two no. nerds. Yeah. He paused there so you, one of you two nah, nerds, nah. could say something. Eh. Okay, he, he might. I mean, Eli's what? Thirty-six. 37?
2: Eli's an interesting guy because he, other than his two Super Bowls, which is a big other, right? I mean, that's big. Mm, he sure. won two Super yeah. Bowls. Huge. His stats are—he's a pretty average he's quarterback. Kind of, it's kind of man. Yeah. He, he's kind of an average, not not good. I mean, he's really okay. not a hall of fan. So I think
1: I hear what you're saying, both of you. I can translate this. You will like the guy but he's a stiff i Correct. think that's yeah. what you saying I, I he's have, a nice guy but he's a stiff
0: i have always said if i had both manning brothers i would take peyton in the regular season and i would turn the reins over to Eli. The yeah, that's
1: playoffs. exactly right <laughs> <laughs> nfl has a new official pizza sponsor yesterday we found out papa john's and the nfl were terminating their long-standing partnership now well, today pizza hut and the nfl announced that they had gone into business together Terry Lefton of Sports Business Daily reports the NFL's deal with Pizza Hut is worth more than the deal that Papa John... And I'm
2: guessing the CEO of Pizza Hut won't be making any statements about players <laughs> taking a knee I'm one way guess, or the other. i yeah. guess
1: you're correct. Yeah, yeah. I would think not. And uh, the list today came out from USA Today of uh, college basketball coaches, how much they earn, uh, the top earners. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, not surprisingly, is the top earner, $8.98 million. John Calipari, seven point four five million, is number two. Ohio State's Chris Holtman is third on the list at seven point one four million. And, really? Yep. Yeah, he earned it this year. Yeah, he did. But wow, there are four Big Ten coaches making at least three million. We got Holtman at seven point one four. Uh, Tom Izzo at Michigan State makes three point six five. Michigan's John Beeline makes three point three seven, and Indiana's Archie Miller makes three.
0: Wait, so Holtman's making almost twice as much as Izzo?
1: That's correct. Wow.
2: 7.14. Yeah, and Izzo's not in any position now to ask for a raise. No, he's certainly not. Certainly not. This would
1: be bad timing. Yeah, this would be
2: bad timing. And amazing, just I'll throw it in there, Tom Thibodeau. Is making $8 million a year. So, you had well. to get a tip.
0: Yeah, so I
1: know. He hadn't earned any of it yet. <laughs> that that boy. that boy, Corzo. Hey,
2: you I'm just you I'm going to say nice day. things about Andrew Wiggins at five o'clock. So, oh, stay I don't tuned. Stay I'll tuned. believe that when I hear it. Stay tuned.
1: <laughs> You one want more? more? I'm sorry. Yeah, nice. just one more. There okay. we
2: go. Sure. I, I was falling asleep here. What can I say?
1: <laughs> a judge has broadened the scope of a lawsuit filed by female student athletes who claim St. Cloud State University has offered more opportunities for men in athletics than for women. A Chief U.S. District Judge John Tunheim has granted class action status in the Title IX lawsuit against the university in a case initially brought by women on the tennis and Nordic ski teams. The judge allowed other female student athletes to join the lawsuit. But the St. Cloud Times also reports the judge dismissed a damages claim in the lawsuit. That means the athletes will not be able to get any monetary. Corzo,
0: damage. you said you're falling asleep. I might have to check your temperature if you're going to start complimenting Andrew Wiggins. Well, well, we'll well, see. I'm We'll not see sure it, you're it, okay. it,
2: it, it, it won't be a backhanded compliment. It kind of will, but not really. But we'll <laughs> talk
1: later. I mean,
2: thanks. But before, but when we come back, we'll have a little traffic and then we'll talk about what would be a merciful and early end to the Gophers' basketball season. Well, on the screen, I've got the that, that riveting 12-13 matchup in Madison Square Garden between Iowa and Illinois. Uh, Iowa leads uh, 6-5. Uh, the Gophers uh, will play when this game is over at 7 o'clock tonight. And Look won- at that
0: raucous crowd, Cordell. Yeah, Bill. and...
2: Yeah. You know, I, I saw Wayne who's who, uh, Jim Delaney. Is that the big 10 commissioner? Yes. Came out. I keep wanting to say Wayne Duke. That's aging me when he was the big 10 commissioner about 15, 20 years ago, but you know, moving, you know, the the big 10's constant effort to, to, to grasp the New York market oh. is, is just, I get that the big 10 is trying in so many ways to make more money. That's what all businesses do and don't make any mistake. Uh, College athletics is a big business and conferences are in the business of making money for their member schools. And the big 10 probably does as well at that. I bet the big 10 makes more money than any other conference. When you combine everything, I'm sure they do Mm -hmm. and they're trying to do it. But when you look at what the big 10 hockey has done and the big 10 network has done to hockey and what it's, I don't mind the regular season where the Gophers are playing games at all different times, because you know what, if you're really, if you're a big 10 basketball fan, uh, I like that you can watch almost you almost every single. I'm not talking every single Gophers Big Ten game. I think every single every Big single Ten game. game you can either catch on FS1 or or whatever whatever bevy networks they have deals with. I think every Big Ten game you can watch every Big Ten game you want. That's mm-hmm. nice if you're a big. Uh, and I'll say when the Gophers are good, I watch a lot of other Big Ten games. When the Gophers are bad, I don't because it's like what difference does it make, right? <laughs> and they're bad this year, but. But as the Gophers get ready to play Rutgers tonight and, you know, who knows whether they win that game or not, and then they play Indiana and, you know, they'd probably lose that game. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, because it, – and it was nice to see Jordan Murphy get second team All-Big Ten. And and I really think Nate Mason this year – Nate Mason this year had a tremendous season. I mean, yeah, his shooting percentage was down because he had to do everything.
0: I feel terrible and, for him. Man. You
2: know, he, and when you look at where he ranks, he's like fifth in scoring. He's number one in assists. I mean you can make an you know the the greatest you know I'm not going to put him up there with Ray Williams or with uh uh uh, uh Leonard or or probably even with uh certainly not Bobby Bobby Jackson's at the top of the mountain okay when it yep. comes to go for guards uh what he did but he's right in that conversation after Bobby Jackson mm-hmm. and and he's in the conversation of the one of the best point guards cuz Bobby Jackson was not a point guard he had to play point at sometimes cuz Eric Harris got hurt yep. and he could play point but he wasn't the point guard and you know Ariel McDonald, you know Melvin Newburn, you know these are these are kind of the guys at the top of the food chain. But but I think I'd put Nate Mason right up there with any of those guys. I have a real soft spot in my heart for Melvin Newburn on those Clem teams, uh, was great. But 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 you know he probably deserves some first, second, or third team love. But I think it got to the point where you know your team is four and fourteen. But 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 and that was what was kind of disappointing about the way they played after Lynch got suspended and after Amir Coffey got hurt because they still have two of the, you know, Nate Mason and, and regardless of how you name the teams, Nate Mason and Jordan Murphy are two of the top 15 players in the big 10. Yeah. They are. And I agree. Yeah. And, you know, Nate Mason's numbers got hurt this year because he had to take so many shots that he otherwise wouldn't have taken. So his shooting percentages were down, but man, the kid played great. Uh, I thought he, you know, his shooting was not as good as it could be, but he had to take so many tough shots yeah. given what they had to work with. And, and so now we get into the situation where this season's going to end. Uh, this is really two of the last three seasons. The last three seasons for uh, Patino have been interesting. You know, his first season was a lot of fun. They lost a lot of close games. They won the NIT. Mm-hmm. The second season was kind of a disappointment. They A lot of people thought they'd make the tournament, and they really didn't do very well. The third season was a disaster. The fourth season was great. Uh, and then Mason got hurt, and Akeem got hurt late, and they didn't advance in the tournament. But still, that was a good season last year. And this year, such great expectations, and really the second disaster in the last three years for Patino, and and obviously he can't control players getting suspended. People say, "Oh, that's Patino's fault that 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 uh, Reggie Lynch got into trouble." I don't think that's his fault. Uh, and also, you can't blame him that Eric Curry got hurt, and then that Amir Coffey got hurt, and then the debris mcprayer has been hurt, and Nate Mason is even banged up now. Y- you can't blame him for that. What you can't blame him for is that coming into this season. They essentially had six guys. And then you hope that Jelly would be their seventh guy. And maybe mm-hmm. and maybe Jameer Harris would be their eighth guy. And Jameer Harris did not have a very good season. And Jelly at the end of the year started to show some signs, but even then he's he doesn't know how to play basketball, right? And you could just see there was a battle with between him and Patino all year, right? Yeah. There was a lot of games where Jelly didn't play very much. And then at the end, he's he played and even at the end, Jelly just took his opportunity to just jack up shots indiscriminately too often, right? And I'm I don't know, is Jelly gonna leave? I've not heard that, but there was obviously some tension there. Uh, you know, cause, cause I got
0: a hunch he's gonna leave. And I, I, do too. I don't I don't I'm not, you know, I'm not tied in. I don't have any sources or anything like that. I just
2: I just don't know no, if the, I, mean, I don't
0: know if the fit is very good. There
2: were times when when Amir Coffee was hurt, and there were games when 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 he hardly played. Yeah. he, he didn't play much when they beat Iowa. For I example, remember that
0: Miami game. I was at that Miami game where he just he played terrible and he started out in the second half and Patino had to sit him like yep. two or three minutes into the second half because he was just and, throwing up crazy shots, turning the ball
2: over, just all kinds of stuff. And then even when all when their lineup was decimated, he had some games he hardly played. Yeah. And I'm thinking if I'm jelly, I'm going, look, what you're playing Michael Hurt, you're playing Devontae Fitzgerald, you're playing these guys, and I can't get on the court. Well, there's a reason. I, I don't I don't hold that against Patino, but that could be a problem.
0: You know what else I think hurt hurt them too? And I know we got a break here in about a minute or so. The fact that they have basically gotten nothing out of Kanate and Jiju.
2: Well, that was that was that was coaching malpractice to recruit those guys. And there was yeah. that story that he got some money for the program or some kickbacks. Remember that?
0: Yeah. From, because those are two roster spots that they
2: they, they with, they're with not,
0: where they're at like in in terms of like the class that they're in like you need to be getting more out of those two roster spots and that's
2: my point that yeah. that when you yeah any team that loses lynch, curry and amir coffee, three of your top 6 guys isn't going to be as good as you thought. Right. But when you have two of the top 15 guys in the big 10, if your other guys, the guys you weren't counting on were at least are at least decent or at least division 1 players. Right. You you should have been better and that's on Patino. And you know, next year we'll see. You know, they got the three freshmen coming in, and they have Amir Coffey and Eric Kerr, Eric Curry, and and uh, you know they're 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 gonna they're gonna have some players next year. We'll see. But I'm not against Richard Pitino's coaching, but his his recruiting has got to get better. Mm-hmm. He had one great class. Now he did recruit Mason. He got lucky to get Murphy. Those are two great gets. Mm-hmm. But he recruited Mason. Mason's one of the best players in Gopher's history. But in five years, that's about it that he's recruited. You know, he got lucky on on a uh, 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 Murphy, but he got him. So those are two really and good he got players. Coffee, you know, and he got helped, coffee. it
0: helped getting coffee because his dad so, is an alumni. Right. Well, so all in all that five stuff years, too, but... he's had
2: three really good players. Yeah, you know, so he's got to do better. Uh, we'll take a break and come back and wrap up the first hour. Yeah, Manny and I were talking during the break, uh, and, and it has been my criticism of Richard Pitino. One, I, I think he's a good coach. I, I mean, I like the way his teams play, and I, I think, he is, and, to, and yeah. I think he's handled some some adverse uh, situations uh, well. But it's just a matter of how much can he can he recruit, you know. And he seems like a guy that really really goes for the big time recruits. And isn't you know he got a mirror was a big time recruit, uh, and he's got a and jelly was a big time recruit. It hasn't turned out to be that good, but uh, you know for him at at the end of the day he's got he's got to recruit more guys. He needs
0: he needs a good year next year though. Yeah, you know he needs a good year next year because that I mean I I give him a pass this year because of all the injuries and he you couldn't really have predicted the the Reggie Lynch thing, but. That Big Ten record, he's oh, thirty-one and fifty-nine. It's worse Big than Ten. Munson's. Yeah,
2: it's worse than Munson's. And you know, next year they're going to have Jordan Murphy, Dupree McBrayer. They're starting lineup: Murphy, McBrayer, uh, Coffee, Curry, and probably Jelly. You know, that's yeah. going to be the you're going to have to have Jelly become a player. And, and then they'll have some bench guys with the three freshmen coming in, and maybe Amir Harris can do more than hit an occasional three. I don't know, or Jameer Harris. We'll see. But uh, it's not like next year they're going to be favored to win the Big Ten or anything. You know, could they be in the tournament? Maybe especially with the Big Ten down. I mean, the Big Ten this year might only get four teams in the tournament. You know that? Yeah. You know, there's four that are pretty much locks. You know, Nebraska or Penn State are going to have to do something in this tournament to get in, Uh, and I don't know that they're capable of doing that. When we come back, top of the hour, I've teased it. I'm going to give some love. Not very much, but some love to Andrew Wiggins.
1: The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.